You're listening to a podcast from Blogging Heads TV. Hi, welcome to Blogging Heads TV. This is Culturally Determined. I'm your host, Arya Cohen-Wade, and my guest today is Kelly Conaboy. Uh, Kelly, can you please introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Kelly Conaboy, um, writer, author of the book, The Particulars of Peter, and caretaker of Peter. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I'm holding, I'm holding the book up to the camera now. Uh, it's a great cover. Uh, it's, it's, <laughs> should, by the time this is posted, it'll be out in, in hardback. And uh, Peter is on the cover. So the, partic- the particulars of Peter, dance lessons, DNA tests, and other excuses to hang out with my perfect dog. Um, so, so thanks for coming on. I've been, I've been a fan of your writing for a long time and uh, was excited <laughs> when you, I saw that you uh, wrote a book and especially that it was about your dog who has been so like the I don't know, supporting character in your uh, <laughs> writing for, for a long time. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you're, you're a really funny writer and I enjoyed the book a lot. And, uh, so yeah, so thanks. So, okay. How, so it, it's almost like you, um, you know, maybe you, you, some, for like a writer who has a dog, you, you somehow like achieved the dream, which is you wrote and published a book <laughs> all about how great your dog is. So how did, how did, it, how did this come, come to be? Um, I know I'm, I'm very lucky. I can't believe I got to do it. Um, <laughs> but basically I, I was writing a ton about him at the cut and um, at the outline, I wrote a story about him, um, which doesn't exist anymore, sadly. Um, and I guess at at the cut, I kept pitching like Peter related story ideas. And at some point it was like, you can't just write about Peter all the time. <laughs> like, <laughs> like you have to cover other things. So <laughs> I kind of had this backlog of things that I wanted to explore concerning Peter um and then I wrote about DNA testing him for the outline and uh at that point my agent uh Tina Pullman contacted me and was like do you think you would ever write a book about him and I said absolutely I if you think that's something that people would want (laughs) I definitely want to um so and then we went from there um yeah, so it's I, okay. Why don't we? I guess you. I mean, you start with the beginning with how you got Peter, how, how you ended up keeping Peter, uh, <laughs> and can you um, can you t- tell us about that? And also, like your life, you know, your life before before having before adopting a dog. Yeah, uh, sure. So, um, in the months before I adopted Peter, I've been like increasingly needing the presence of a dog in my life. And I would, there was a rescue just down the street from my apartment called Sean Casey Animal Rescue, where I would go and walk dogs like every day, basically. Um, mostly because I was unemployed and I could just go walk dogs. Every day. <laughs> I've been laid off from Gawker at that point. Um, and I knew someone who was fostering a dog with badass, which was also headquartered just like a block away from Sean Casey. Um, so I applied to be a foster and went through their foster training. And my first, and they were like, you're going to want to adopt your first foster dog. Um, just so you know, you can't, it's not allowed. Um, because we don't, if we lose our fosters, we can, we, we need our fosters to basically foster the dog so people can adopt them. 
Um, right. So it's it's made it's made, as you as you explained it. It's made very clear that you are not allowed. At least <laughs> at least for the first one, you first dog you're fostering. They don't yeah. allow adoptions. Like no exceptions and. They're like, we know you're going to want to. Everybody does. You cannot. So the first <laughs> dog I got was Peter. And, <laughs> and I was like, oh, no. Because when they were giving that speech, I was like, I know, I get it. Um, I don't even know that I want to have a dog full time right now. That's why I'm fostering. Like, this is not going to be an issue. Um, but then it was pretty much immediately. <laughs> um, so I got Peter. I was fostering him. I was trying very hard to convince myself that I didn't need to adopt him. Um, and then I just couldn't anymore. <laughs> um, so I, I wrote an email to them sort of begging um, them to let me adopt him. And they were like, no, <laughs> we told you the deal and you agreed. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I know, I'm sorry. And then I, I guess he eventually just didn't, I don't even, I, I talk about this in the book, but I don't really know what happened to change their mind, but they reached out to me again. They said he, um, I should put a, an application, an adoption application in just in case, like there wasn't any other interest. And so I did, and I tried to keep my hopes my expectations very low, um, but eventually uh, they were like, "Okay, you can have them," and it was incredible. Changed my life completely. Um, yeah, I mean, you wouldn't be here right now. <laughs> I mean, so it's yeah, it's kind of like it's. I mean, when you're the chapter where you talk about it, like obviously we know you end up with him, uh, so there's some I don't know, like dramatic irony or something where uh, we we don't have it all works out um, for the best, but then. <laughs> you know, there's points where it seems like it's, it's not going to, but, um, so what, okay, what was it that was like, I need like, th- like this, this particular dog, what was the connection between you and him immediately? Oh, it's so hard to explain. Um, and, and of course that's what the book is all about is like yeah. your, your, your connection. <laughs> yeah. It's just being with him just felt, he's just so sweet and gentle and like, almost a little bit sad (laughs) and there was just like I just felt like okay this is he's right here hi (laughs) it's just like okay this is my dog I need to protect him forever I need to take care of him he's just mine Uh Uh, so I don't know it was just a, a almost immediate feeling um, okay, so yeah, it's kind of like non, it goes like beyond a rational sort of uh, <laughs> thing, uh, and it is kind of like, like part, parts of the book are kind of like a love story between you and and Peter, <laughs> and, um, and you know, it's the book is like kind of your, I don't know, it's like your tribute to Peter, and it's like, yeah. uh, what, you know, like Dante wrote those like poems that were like in tribute to that woman he was in love with or something, and this is, you know, maybe somewhat in a, like in that same vein of, of literature. Um, yeah. Yeah. Very much. <laughs> okay. And so, um, uh, so tell us about Peter physically, because I, I remember you know, following you on, on Twitter, you had, um, you know, you post pictures and he, he I mean, he kind of looks like a, um, like a black, like a black lab, like shrunk down to like a third yeah. of the size, maybe. <laughs> Everybody, when they meet him after just seeing photos of him, they're very 
they're usually shocked at how small he is because mm-hmm. he comes off as like, he looks like a black lab puppy, basically. Um, right here, I would pick him up, but he would hate it. <laughs> but, no, no need to force it, just to... <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so he, he looks like a, a little black lab puppy, but with like a tiny chihuahua, he's, he's the same amount of black lab as he is chihuahua. As according to his DNA test, at least. Um, so he has like a tiny little chihuahua face, little foldy ears. And his body is kind of funny, too, because he's like, um, I think like the closest animal is like a, a horse. Like he has like a pretty solid middle and then long little skinny legs. Uh-huh. I don't know. He, his body is, is very unique. Like, <laughs> and, he, and also whenever I sort of describe him as a little horse to people who are meeting him, they're like, he's very strange. Like, oh yeah, he does look like a little horse. <laughs> <laughs> um, and well, okay. So I'm sorry. Uh, continue. No, no, that's it. Huge puppy, amber eyes, tiny little nose, whiskers. <laughs> <laughs> right and and some of the i mean one of the funniest parts is you you um transcribe some of the songs you sing to him and there's a song about how he has a face i just thought that was really um really funny but um okay so and so what do we know so peter he came from the south and, and this is like a common thing that animals are brought from the yeah. south where there's less the spay and neuter message has not um right. come through as much and so there's a, a lot more like uh straight straight dogs or like dogs who you know the mother dog gets pregnant, uh, unplanned and stuff like that. Um, so how did you, how did he, what do you know about his, about his past? Um, yeah, so I know he, he was brought to Brooklyn from Georgia by, um, Badass, which is a, the rescue that I adopted him from. Um, and they told me when I was writing the essay about his DNA, I reached out to, um, Badass, and there was sort of an intermediary rescue in Georgia that Badass works with. Um, so, and they're the ones who took him. Basically, he was in a kill shelter in Georgia, and they said that he had been there for sort of a long time. Um, so, they, the story is the intermediary rescue took Badass to that kill shelter where they can meet the dogs. They take. The dogs they feel have the best chance of being adopted. Um, so they took Peter along. He came up to Brooklyn. Now I'm sort of losing the thread of the question, but yes, so that's where he was. <laughs> they. But you, they, but you don't I, know if was he a, he came in as a stray into the shelter originally. So okay, so it's kind of a mystery. Um, yes. Yeah. What happened before that? And um and his name is uh, is or his his given name is uh is Peter <laughs> Parker. Um. And that's still the name. I took him to the same um, vet that he was brought to, that badass brought him to, which is the uh, vet in Park Slope, because it's sort of, they knew him, and it's sort of near where I live. Um, So his vet name is still Peter Parker. (laughs) So they're always talking to me. I feel sort of bad, like I'm lying to them, because they're always like, oh, I love Spider-Man too. And it's like, uh, yeah, Spider-Man's cool. (laughs) (laughs) So why did you keep... Why did you keep the name Peter? He just seems exactly like a Peter. <laughs> I, I can't imagine him with any other name. He's just sort of exactly what you would ma- imagine a Peter to be like. 
calm. I guess this doesn't describe, it doesn't describe like Peter Thiel, but just like, <laughs> <laughs> just kind of a soulful, quiet, you would, he would have little glasses and probably an English accent. <laughs> mm-hmm. And a little sweater with like arm patches. I think that's, it. sort of, it suits his vibe. Okay, so like a studious, like, like sitting in the wingback chair reading sort of, <laughs> sort of thing. Um, okay, so, so, okay, how did, I mean, you know, why, why did you decide that, like, you wanted to write about him? Because, you know, I'm sure there's lots of, you know, there's lots of people who have dogs who are great dogs and they love their dogs very much. And, but why, why how did he, he become like your your muse for for this kind of stuff um well i think um most of my writing is like it's <laughs> i don't want to diminish it too much but it's just kind of like the thing that i'm thinking about and then i sort of try to make it like i'm creative in how i um execute ideas but not in sort of the jumping off point so it'll be like i don't think bay leaves do anything so then i'll do a story about bay leaves or oh, like i forget yeah i forgot about that bay leaf story yeah that was that was a very, very good <laughs> or like just I, I feel like all my ideas start with basically just what i'm doing <laughs> <laughs> well i think i mean you had for a while you had this sort of series that was like here's an idea for something that should be um, oh yeah but like there was a, like you just wasn't like, one uh, of them like a you just would get like something about vacation. Remind me exactly what it was that you would you would just get like a week of vacation or but everything would just like pause or something. Oh, pause day. Yeah, yeah. pause day. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that there should be a pause day because I was feeling very and now um, people were talking about that sort of recent or I guess it wasn't recently, but when Cuomo, I think he put that on his little address it was like pause and it was, we were doing a pause. Yeah. And it's like the pause day that no one wanted. <laughs> right. Yeah. I guess early, early lockdown was sort of like a version of pause day that we were all forced to forced to do. Time. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I guess what I'm trying to say is like my, I, I, I don't want to diminish my writing too much. I think it's like, I can be creative, but it starts with kind of just like what is in front of me and uh -huh. he's been in front of me. Okay. <laughs> so I just have all, and I, I'm just thinking about him all the time. So I have all of these like questions and ideas and he's just like my muse pretty much. <laughs> um, so what, so one of the, one of the um, kind of ideas that is similar to the pause day that's in this book is that dogs should be able to talk for 25 minutes a day. Yeah. And that, so that should be, uh, what happens. Um, can you talk, so I thought that was really funny. And can you, can you talk about that? <laughs> oh yeah. Just that I, I, I feel like it's a reasonable in the book. I sort of, I, it's like, they don't have to, okay. So they only talk for 25 minutes a day. They don't remember the idea the fact that they can talk. So it's not like they're longing to be able to talk for the rest of the day. They're a normal dog for 25 minutes. They can tell you if they feel sick, if they are unhappy with something, if they want more of a certain treat or a toy, they can check in with you and then it's done. I feel like that's very reasonable and it would be very helpful. Yeah. 
So hopefully the book will get some movement going. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> your congressman, I guess. But then you also say that if, the, if you say I love you to the dog during those 25 <laughs> minutes, the dog would somehow remember that and be yeah, able. That is the one. <laughs> that's the caveat. That yeah. He will. He or she will remember the warm feeling of I love you, at least when when you say it to them again after their 25 minutes are up. Right. OK, so um, so one of the main preoccupations of the book is kind of like what what like you're trying to figure out what will make Peter happy and what things, you know, what things make him happy, what things don't make him happy, particular toys or activities or uh, food or something. And um, I think it yeah, it is. I mean, it, it, the. The, the relationship between the, like a pet and the human, there's just some barrier that of understanding that can't be, you know, pierced exactly. And, and similar to and talk, but 25 minutes a day of talking would, would help with that. But, um, you know, like, it, you know, it seems like most dogs, I don't know about cats, but most dogs are generally sort of like happy most of the time, or at least sort of content. And maybe, or maybe they will be very, some might have like an anxiety problem or something, or they're afraid of loud noises or some other thing. But you, I don't know. Well, I, I've only had one dog in my life, but that dog usually seemed to be either happy or just sort of like neutral and just like <laughs> sitting and staring, and but seemed perfectly fine to do that. And one of the th- funny things is like with cats or dogs is like you know they'll be in some funny position, they're like lying on their back with their belly up or something, their legs are crazy, and you, you must think like, well, that must be comfortable to them because they can <laughs> move in whatever position they want. So even though they're, they're all stretched out in this weird way. Like they cho- they chose that totally themselves, and so it must feel good to be doing that, or they would just move in some other way that like it can't be causing them pain or something. You know what I mean? Like yeah. So, but so do you think? Are you okay? Are you bringing your own like anxiety and agita about the world like onto Peter and constantly worrying about whether he is happy or do, <laughs> is he a, is he a particularly anxious dog or do you just no. want to make him as happy as you can possibly make him? He's weirdly not an anxious dog I guess it's not weirdly but like he is one of maybe well I guess it depends on the situation he's mostly not anxious at all like he can be around loud noises fireworks don't bother him he's he can walk on the street and not really be care like not really be bothered by other dogs mm-hmm. so he's he's mainly fine it's just when I look at him like lying on the bed just staring off into nothing it's (laughs) I don't know if it's a hundred percent just me or if he does have I think he does have a a sadder disposition than most dogs (laughs) Uh (laughs) he just seems like uh, I don't know it it has to be nearly a hundred percent me (laughs) i'm just lying on the bed staring off into nothing and it's like oh what can i do how can i make you do you need a treat like (laughs) can i bring you a blanket or a toy like how can i how can i make you happy how can Uh i make you smile (laughs) Uh, but no it's it's certainly mostly just my own anxiety okay so that so it's you know the the fact he says smile is, is funny because you know dogs uh, this is my understanding. Do- you know, when a dog opens its mouth, it might just it's be panting. <laughs> or actually, sometimes it's it's an indication that they're slightly stressed and they're trying to like <laughs> calm down a little bit. But like on the on the 
front of packaging of dog food, dogs always have their mouths open because it looks like they're smiling. So, yeah. but dogs when dogs wag their tail, that usually indicates that they're they're happy or like, wiggle. Um, and, but you know, it, it looks super cute for most dogs, depending on the breed. It looks super cute when they have their mouths open and they look like ecstatic. Yeah, uh, and they're running with their mouths open. It looks like you know they're in just like total bliss. And then depending on the you know, the physiognomy or whatever the dog, you know, when they close their mouths, sometimes they look really like deep in thought or forlorn or something. So the dog I had, uh, who was sadly no longer with us, uh, was an English setter, and she had a very expressive expressive face. She kind of had these sort of like pseudo eyebrows based on. Yeah that like with the way the light hit her it would make it look like she had like a quizzical look or was like thinking or even just a slight shift in the way she ha- she like you know it, it, it was just a very very expressive animal and but then you know when she d- had her mouth or basically we used to joke that she had like two expressions like ecstasy when she's like mouth mm-hmm. open running around and then just sort of like forlorn mouth closed but it was you know we were like putting all this on her and yeah like i said probably she, most of the time she was like somewhere in the middle or something but yeah it is so it's hard to you know like what do they really want um (laughs) you know they want like food and comfort and warmth and stuff and then beyond that i i don't know (laughs) i don't know what they want yeah they want to be petted they they, i mean they like us i think i read once that was like maybe even there was a title of a book called what do dogs want and then like there was like a one-line answer from the author that was like they want us and each other and so, like, you know, they, they like humans, and then they usually like other dogs. And, yeah. like, aside from the basic physical needs, that's that's more or less it. But, um, but yeah, but when you're, I don't know, when you're confronted with the animal, they, there's, like, these depths of possible uh, mystery uh, I know. trapped within them. That's, like, <laughs> and to to be clear, I didn't mean I needed to see him physically small. Right, but, right. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's. And I try not to, and animals are so in tune to how you're feeling too. I really, I, I try not to put my anxiety on him. I try like, I think it's how, not to compare dogs to babies, but I feel like it's how moms have to be around children. Like everything's okay, even Mm -hmm. when everything is not. I try my best to be like, okay, so what do you want? <laughs> <laughs> well, the, I mean, the the dog is certainly more like, can re, like the dogs read humans better than humans read dogs oh, because yes. like they evolve, you know, they evolved with us, uh, with it there. And we did not, but, um, it's so crazy. Like I can be in the living room and like sudden, like for some reason feel sad or like start crying about something. And he can be in the bedroom and just like know exactly when it's happening and come over and like, hop up next to me it's absolutely crazy dogs are the best <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think it i mean it is it's the the i've only had one one dog in my life I had a cat when i was a kid and then uh for 11 and a half years i had a dog um who i spent since i worked from home I spent most of my time with and it, it is like a profound relationship that i didn't i wouldn't have been able to understand if i hadn't like lived through it mm-hmm. and because yeah there's there's aspects where it's like they are kind of like a little baby or a small child or something where you are giving that, you know, they're relying on you totally for food and water and, and taking them outside (laughs) to, to go potty and so forth. And, and like all they like, you know, like they just like offer back, like, you know, affection that is somehow like seems directed at you in particular, but also like, 
you know, the, the dog I used to have, you know, if meeting a stranger on the street, she would go completely nuts for about five seconds and was like, this is the most exciting moment of her life. And then it was like <laughs> over. And then she was like ready to like keep on going on her walk. And, and so, yeah, they all have these, yeah, it's like they all have these particularities and yet, you know, I don't know. I guess I'm just like going off into, <laughs> into like nothing else at this point, but it is, it is, it's like a relationship that, um, you know, you, you, you chronicle it, uh, your perspective with one particular dog. And then it seems like, you know, any, like uh, there could have been multiple, you know, multiple versions of this book written by a different sort of person with a different sort of dog or something. And you mentioned my, my dog Tulip. Is that the, uh, mm-hmm. it's like a, the classic of the genre is this guy, um, wrote a dog, wrote a book about his, uh, German shepherd, I think like around a hundred years ago. Um, Ackerley, is that his name? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I remember I read that a while ago. Um, and uh, so good. yeah, <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> and, um, and that, yeah, that, I mean, that, yeah, that one is also like sort of the, the love story uh, is kind of yeah, completely. The, the way it's, it's presented. Um, so, okay. I, again, I've been going on for, for, for a while with this, but okay. So I think the, like in the past 10 or so years, sort of the public conversation about dogs has changed and, and there's much more um, where like, People talk about like doggos and puppers and uh, <laughs> people calling themselves like a dog mom. Like I think when right. when my ex and I got our dog, that was not the common thing you would say. You would say like, I'm the dog's owner. And <laughs> and now now like dog mom is like totally normal and people say that all the time. And yeah, and yeah it's sort of the, like the super cutesy stuff like that account, which some people really hate, but I think is really cute. Um, uh, dog rates, <laughs> which has these cute first silly pictures of dogs and gives them a rating. The ratings always like at least 12 out of 10, like every dog is, is, you know, superior, uh, beyond a hundred percent. But some people, there's some, there's a sort of a, at least on Twitter, a sort of contingent of like irony bro type people who really hate that and make fun of it and are sick of the doggo and the pupper and the little small bean toes and, and, all, and all that sort of, you know, stuff. So what, what, what did your take on that? Um, well, I don't want to call myself an irony bro. I don't, I, I don't really love Doggo and Pupper mainly because I feel like it sort of um, diminishes a dog's (laughs) just like personal being. Mm -hmm. Um, It's something I hope people get out of the book is like the desire to really know their dog for like who the dog is, um, independent of just like the general dog. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it's like, so it's such an annoying opinion to say, but I feel like the doggo pupper crowd is just like, Oh, dogs are all like this. And they speak in this doggy way. And like, <laughs> it's so annoying to have to, to like, for me to have to say, <laughs> um, but so it, it sort of grates on me for that reason. Like, why, why do you think this is what a dog would sound like if he could talk? Why do you think um, you have to, like, sp- speak that way to a dog? I don't know. It, it, I'm not a fan of it personally, but I don't begrudge anyone um, the joy that they get out of it. <laughs> yeah, that, that makes sense. I mean, I, I think... Um you know, like, 
there's there's something like anti ironic about a dog. I think. Well, yeah. Maybe I'm just coming up with this now, but like, it's hard. Like, it's hard to have an ironic stance when there's like a puppy because they're just like super cute and they want to like lick you and they just run around <laughs> and be silly. And and so you know, if you you know gave I, I, I I'm thinking of like the um the Chapo Trap House hosts are sort of like the uh, the Arnie Bro type I'm like envisioning here. Like, if you gave yeah. you know Felix Peterman a puppy, I assume he like the irony would drop at least a little bit for a certain <laughs> amount of time. Um, and maybe, I don't know if he has a dog or not, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's just like, you know, uh, the online discourse, one part of it is so irony drenched. And then there's something like so sincere about the doggo pupper loving. Yeah. Every dog is great. They're all cute. I, do you know this guy? I want to pet that dog. Uh huh. Which is like yeah. this, this child. It's a little weird. Is this kid, he's like maybe 11 or 12 years old, a prepubescent boy who has long, <laughs> who has long hair. It kind of looks like a girl, and he um, apparently just loves, all he loves is petting dogs, and so yeah. the, some adult in his life created this account, and they would always have a photo of the dog that he pet, him, like, petting the dog, and the dog, another photo of the dog, and, like, a little story or caption or something about the dog and what he like the dog likes doing and stuff, and so it's cute, and I think I even follow them, but the, the, there's some something kind of weird about it, and I think once this kid hits puberty... The, the the game is over. Like the, they have, like they have to cash out before this. It's just not yeah. going to work anymore. To have... I guess there's also something that bothers me. Like, and it's actually maybe I shouldn't even. <laughs> <laughs> just like the idea of it's uh, actually never mind. I was going to say the idea of like putting dogs on the internet to make some sort of like eventual profit off of them. But obviously, I wrote a book about. never mind (laughs) well you know it's it's interesting i think actually i i talked about this topic i think on the show at some point before i can't remember who i was talking about it or what sparked it but like the early the early internet it was about cats and and there was like lol cats and um silly pictures of cats just seemed in the sort of pre-facebook era of the internet that was that was a currency and um you know, there was that flying cat with a toaster who was like a part toaster with like rainbows and stuff. And then it seemed like dogs, like the dog rates and these other things became more popular. And why is that? And I also can't remember if I had a theory or not, but there, it did seem to shift and you do see more dog stuff now yeah. than you did 10 years ago. It was more cat stuff back then. I get any sort of like, you know, dogs are more obedient. Cats are more like you can train them to do, to do things, but also they'll just be like, fuck you. And, and cats are stranger. The, the one difference between cats and dogs, I think is like, if a dog is doing something, you can usually logically figure out what is causing them to do that thing. Uh, yeah. Not always, but usually, whereas cats often, they just do something and you have no idea. You know, they'll just like start running for no reason whatsoever and be acting all crazy. And then they're just like calm again. And so the cat psyche is more alien to me, at least than, yeah. than the dog psyche. And maybe in the more like anarchic early part of the internet, uh, before there was like this consolidation with all these you know, websites controlling everything. Um, you know, cats were like, yeah, they'll just do whatever the fuck they want. They don't, they don't give a shit. Whereas dogs are much more loyal and almost more like corporate sort of, <laughs> sort yeah. of thing. And like, maybe as the internet has gotten darker, we need the light of the dogs to balance it out. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I think there was an, I forget, but I think there was a Times article about the rise of, like, dogs over cats. 
on the internet. Oh, but... yes. You know, I think it was Amanda Hess. Didn't she? Yeah. I think it, maybe that was, she wrote the piece about it. I was just, maybe I'm just recapitulating her thesis, actually, now, now that I think about <laughs> it. So this is not original to me. This is Amanda, the great Amanda Hess uh, did this. Um, okay, but so, yeah, so there's, so there's also, okay, so there's people who are just kind of like dog lovers of all kind. You know, they'll rate every dog and give it 12 out of 10. And then there's like the sort of celebrity, individual celebrity animals on the internet. And over the past couple of years, a lot of these have passed away because it kind of started roughly 10 years ago. And some of these animals had some sort of congenital deformity or something that made them unusual to look at. And so the the grumpy cat and Marnie, the dog, and yeah, there's a couple other ones that are like this. And I think, and the became super famous, like grumpy cat was everywhere. I think grumpy cat even got a, um, obituary in the New York times when he or she passed away. Um, and that, I mean, so I'm wondering, like, uh, since this book is all about Peter, like, have the marketing people wanted you to, like, make a Peter, like, account and be, like, putting little hats on Peter and dressing um, him up like a hot dog or something? And I, they haven't, I think I um, said early on that I would not be doing this, <laughs> that I, like, refused to, but... Also, they haven't asked me, like, luckily, they, there hasn't been a push to have me, like, do a funny Peter Instagram account, where I, like, talk in Peter's voice, and I'm like, buy my book, woof, or whatever. <laughs> right, I mean, I would follow that account, uh, just <laughs> just saying, but, um, but, but you, could, you could see that, I mean, that, that would make sense as a way to do things in totally. our modern era of social media and stuff. Yeah, so I don't know that it would necessarily really work as, like, a marketing like, if I had already done that for Peter and he had, like, a following, it would be a way. But luckily, there has not been pressure on me to start one, and I I would have to not. I would just have to be a jerk and say no, if there was. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's interesting. I think, I mean, it's it seems very common now when people get a new pet, they just immediately start an Instagram yeah. account for that pet. And again, I, I mean, I, I like following those accounts. Like I follow a lot of my dog, I mean, my friends' dogs' Instagram accounts, and I love seeing the dog. Um, if they only bring me joy, but I'm just like a curmudgeon, I guess. But I feel like okay. So you're talking about the Trapo guys on the sincerity scale. I would just like to put myself maybe so it's Chapo Doggo. I would like to put myself. <laughs> even past the doggo on the sincerity scale <laughs> <laughs> that I respect the dog too much to do things like this. Okay. <laughs> Just to put myself as far away from the irony bros as possible. <laughs> I can maybe think of that as the, <laughs> yeah, the Chapo doggo scale. I think that this is something that maybe could, <laughs> could take off. Um, yes. Yeah, so yeah, I'm a 13 out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And so, um, yeah. And I've, I've thought like, uh, you know, if you, I remember thinking maybe it was when, when you know, uh, Grumpy Cat or something died. Like if you had, if you hadn't, if you somehow acquired an animal that had like something about them that made, had like star potential or something, you know, would you want to like mon- try to monetize that or not? And like, especially with a cat, like a cat doesn't want to go to like a convention and like right. have people like take selfies with them. Like cats just want to like, like sit. That's and- sort of, I mean, not to say there are any positive things about COVID, but, or about promoting a book during COVID, but something that I was always worried about was like the pressure to bring Peter to like bookstores right. and have people like meet him, which was something that thinking about it made me feel very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew it was going to be 
a fight. Um, and now it doesn't exist. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. Well, one of the few benefits, does it, does he like meeting new people or not? He does love meeting new people. Um, always very excited to meet a new person. He's like totally chill and fine. Again, this is just me putting my anxiety about him and my perception as a dog owner onto him or whatever. But, um, I was sort of worried about like, because you, I, I think there was an episode of sex in the city where Carrie Bradshaw was doing a book reading and she was scheduled behind a famous cat or a famous dog. And she's like, wow, all these people are here for me. And they're like, no, they're here for the dog. Uh -huh. <laughs> but it's just like a very early internet sad image to me of like a little dog sitting on top of a pile of books and people being like, oh, I met him. <laughs> right. <laughs> um. <laughs> Are, okay, there, so are there, we mentioned this book, My Dog Tulip, I think that's the title. Are there other books in the dog or pet genre that you like or that you kind of thought about when you were putting this one together? Um, well, all Alexandra Horowitz books. Um, she's a dog cognition um, science woman. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Is she the author of In Inside of a Dog? Yeah. Okay. Um, but... All of those are like super illuminating, super helpful, really interesting to, to just like, like you said, when dogs do things, there's usually a reason, but it's like, I, you don't always know the reason because you're not a scientist, but like the reasons do exist and she can yeah. tell you the reasons. Um, so I loved, I mean, I love all of her books. I sort of try to not... I, I I was sort of divided on whether I should read all of the dog books or read none of the dog books before writing mine because I was worried that I would just like be intimidated and then also try to like do what other people were doing. So I'm trying to think if I read any other one. I'm sure I did. I'm terrible at this question, but, <laughs> but. Um, yeah, that, that, no, that's okay. I'm trying to think what what are the other really good ones that I've read and, and nothing is immediately coming to mind except I'm trying to think, did I actually read this book or did I just see the movie uh, Marley and me, which is <laughs> yeah. like maybe one of the most successful books of the past yeah. 20 years. And, um, and yeah, but that, uh, but you know, Marley had passed on uh, before the, the book came out. Um, okay. So one of, so what there's a, <laughs> the, especially in the later chapters, you kind of move into a more like um, spiritual or metaphysical realm and so you, you talk about you, you visit a couple of pet psychics, and mm -hmm. you talk about can Peter uh, detect ghosts, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then you imagine um, will Peter go to heaven, um, mm -hmm. and uh, can you talk a little bit more about that your interest in that general area? Um. Yeah, I think again, I don't know if this is just me, but I feel like another um thing that happens when you're around a dog all the time is like you're constantly confronted with the idea that the dog is going to die pretty soon. <laughs> like in terms of the span of, well, hopefully the span of your life. Um, and I remember, you know, Leah Finnegan, right? Mm -hmm. she, in fact, she's been on the show. Yeah. She, I, I had a conversation with her once where she was just like, 
do you ever just look at your dog and start crying because you love them so much and you know they're going to die? <laughs> and it's like, yes. <laughs> every like every other day probably. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so I feel like that's a big just thinking about not like obsessing over it but just being aware of death is sort of <laughs> at least for me a big part of dog ownership so uh-huh. that's kind of where those chapters came from that's yeah that's interesting it's um yeah, the you, you you know, I mean, you, when you when you acquire, adopt, or whatever a pet, you know you're probably going to outlive that pet unless you're toward the end of end of your life. And yeah, so sort of like the specter, <laughs> the specter of death is is <laughs> hanging over somehow this this relationship. And um, and and so yeah, so there's so I, I we won't give it away. I guess this is, is it somewhat of a there's a. a some medical stuff happens with Peter towards the end of the book. And that makes you think more, maybe more about this stuff. Yeah. And, uh, and I found that those uh, sections quite affecting and, um, Thank you. and you, you really, you know, it communicates how, um, you know, when you're, when your pet has a medical emergency, there's like the feelings of helplessness and powerlessness. And it's just, there's something so like, um, you know, it, it's like, it's like a, sick child or something because there's something so sad and like poignant about the, the, the animal not being able to understand what's happening and, yeah. and especially if they're in pain and they not understanding what's happening. It's like, so heartrending. Um, especially when it's your, when it's your pet. Um, so uh, yeah, I think you, you captured that well. And, um, <laughs> and then, uh, but, but I mean, it's mostly funny and you have, you, you want to go to Washington square park and see if there's a ghost dog or something that Peter, <laughs> Peter can find of a ghost dog. I won't, won't spoil about whether that happens or not, but, um, <laughs> but it's very, yeah, it's, it's, it's very entertaining. And, um, I don't think if there's any, if I have any other questions, um, are you, um, yeah. So, I mean, how is this, you know, are you going to give like a interview to like Bark Magazine and that kind of stuff? Like, how, how what do you, who are you thinking is like your readership for this, uh, for this um, book? My, yeah, I, I have to imagine the re- like, it's just going to be dog owners. <laughs> <laughs> imagine, like, I would like to think, I mean, I think it's, um, a, I don't know, it's such a, a weird thing to have written a dog book. Um, which is not, it's not something, not that I ever imagined myself writing a book, but it's not like I ever really imagined myself writing a a dog book in particular. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) um, and I feel like if, you know, someone who doesn't have a dog or is not a particularly dog like focused person read it, they would not, unless they hate my voice, which is possible, they would not not enjoy it (laughs) but I feel like it's definitely a book for people who are fanatical about their own dog at least Mm -hmm. but everybody can buy it of course (laughs) right (laughs) Um, yeah I mean you really have a very a unique comic voice I think and like I said I've I've enjoyed reading you over the years um and I I don't know how I mean it's a it's a very like self-conscious voice and um and yeah. you're off, you're off you often like kind of break in with authorial asides that are almost like meta textual or meta or you know or something like that. I, I I don't know if, I'm, if this makes sense to you, but um you know you're you're playing around with with 
the like traditions of like the narrator and stuff. And then, you know, what is, you know, so I, I feel like you have a very self-conscious uh, comedic voice and then you know, a dog has no self-consciousness yeah. whatsoever. <laughs> so, so it's kind of a great combination because, you know, the, the dog doesn't care if people think he looks silly right. or, or whatever, whatever it is. Yeah. The dog doesn't care that he's looking for a ghost. <laughs> right. <laughs> or like on the cover of a book trying to, embarrassingly trying to sell a book yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i just uh, i hope it's not annoying i guess we'll see um i don't think it was annoying um i recommend people <laughs> check out the book yeah i think if you have uh, for, for dog owners or people who are dog lovers um i would recommend checking out the book uh it, it made me laugh out loud multiple times and um i think uh i think people will enjoy it and they'll get to know they'll get to know peter um you're not gonna be able to get to know him through his own Instagram um, account anytime soon. Um, yeah. But... No, I'm through mine. <laughs> right. He's, it's, it's exclusively dedicated to him anyway, so... <laughs> um, okay, so where... Okay, so you are Kelly Connaboy on all... One word on all social media. Is that is that right? Yes, that is right. Um, and... Uh, I saw, are you, do you have anything you're working on right now or or, or is it or just no book, book promotion at this point promotion pretty much yeah i think that's it yep <laughs> <laughs> okay well thank you for coming on thank you for writing a book about oh, peter the, partic the particulars of peter and um and thank you to uh to our viewers and listeners and we'll see you again next time bye thank you